again, everybody, and so good to be with you again. I'm Jay Crawford, and this is another episode of Club 46. Hopefully by now you know what we do. We sit down with current and former great Cleveland Browns to talk about their memories and their times with one of the greatest franchises in the history of the NFL. Today we are pleased to be joined by former Cleveland Browns running back Leroy Horde. Leroy, great to see you. How are you? Good to be here, man. Uh, um, I'm excited. Like, I, I'm excited for the Browns this year, uh, like so many other people. And, you know, we just cross our fingers and hope that this year is going to be different. We do that every year. <laughs> Hopefully there's yeah. more proof that this year there's good reason to feel that way. Yes. We'll talk about the, uh, the, the current Browns in just a little bit. But I'd like to start all of these, Leroy, by asking one very simple question. When you think about your years with the Cleveland Browns, what is, what is the overriding memory that you have? Just how sick the fans were. I, I mean, I remember, like, you go down to the flats before they fancied it up. You know, back when I was playing, <laughs> the, the flats were Cleveland. So people would go and park their cars down there on Friday so they could have a good parking spot for Sunday. <laughs> and so, like, the flats would be empty. I'm like, where are all these cars coming from? They go, oh, they're getting their tailgating spots for, the, for Sunday. And I also remember having to walk the gauntlet after the game. So you want to talk about being accountable to people that, that were <laughs> rabid fans. Uh, have a bad game and, and have to walk that gauntlet through the people to your car because we didn't have special parking lot. When we played Cleveland, if you had a bad game, you had to walk through the gauntlet. And you had to walk to the same parking lot as the fans. They were waiting on you. Uh, if they had a problem with the way you played, you had to be held accountable. I, I appreciated it. Um, I know a lot of Michigan people have played for Cleveland and said that they don't like me because I went to Michigan. And I would always reply, no, man, they don't like you because you play bad football. Play better. <laughs> right? I never had a problem. I wasn't always great, but if I sucked, I owned up to it. And you just move on. Like, more people are willing to accept you if you show, you know what, I got flaws just like you. That maybe I didn't hold the football as tightly as I should all the time. <laughs> I played hard. <laughs> Leroy, when you think back to your time on the field with the Browns, is there one play from one game that you that you most remember? Um, see... I'm a little bit different that I remember all of the odd stuff because, you know, when you do the things that you were supposed to do, you just look at that as acknowledgement. So I was considered a hard runner. So if I broke a tackle or had a long run, I was like, you know, that's what they brought me here for. Um, I caught a touchdown on my back. So I was really lucky there. And um, I accidentally blocked my own guy. And that was probably, to this day, one of the funniest things that I ever did. And <laughs> the situation was, is that uh, Vinny was the quarterback, and he threw a pick, right? And so, you know, you, everybody got, like, <laughs> you all of a sudden are a defender. Not the best of defenders, but you're a defender. So now you got to take the angle to go get the defender. Now, back then, you had the defensive guys who were looking to clean your clock because they're like, oh, I got a chance to get them. So 
I'm my head is on a swivel. I'm running towards <laughs> the runner, and somebody yelled Leroy. So I saw a flash out of the corner of my eye, and I just turned to hit it. It was Michael Jackson. <laughs> and I'm like, come on. <laughs> he got like, yeah, he says, I got enough problems out here. I ain't got to worry about you hit me too. So that's hey, split, split second decision. Yes. You're trying to do what you can. Yes. I, I remember, you know, my rookie year, you know, not, not really understanding how long the season was. But knowing, as a running back, they have one rule. If you want to get on the field, there's one thing you have to do. Pass protect, right? So I, was, I thought I was pretty decent at it. Now, the linebackers are a lot bigger, faster, stronger. But I figure, you know what, I'm going to fight like hell. I'm going to fight like hell, and I'm going I'm to earn my spot on the field. So we run the play. Bernie calls the play. I'm blocking. I'm blocking my ass. I am killing it, right? Bernie rolls out. I'm blocking. I'm blocking. I cut the guy, right? Then Bernie throws the ball away. He runs over to me. And he says, hey, if you got a block for me that long, let him go, because I ain't running. <laughs> right? And so we, got, we had a little thing where I would give it a couple of seconds and then let the guy go. And I caught so many passes that everybody thought these plays were, oh, man, Bernie and Leroy. And all I remember is that thing that he told me. Hey, don't block for me for five seconds. I'm not running. So that's probably – that helped your, your game yes. as a pass catcher in the NFL. Yes, but everybody thought it was like, man, they're really getting him into the offense. No, they weren't. Those were broken plays. Broken – for the most part, that's how it started. And then as time went on, as time went on, they started running a little more stuff for me, you know, as far as – running uh, plays out of the backfield and pass routes and isolating me with linebackers, but it didn't start off like that. That's the beauty of Bernie Kosar, really. And, and I'd like to talk more about Bernie a little bit later. And we're going to talk about the Browns more, and we're going to talk about your career after the Browns in the NFL. But first, I want to go all the way back to the very beginning, Leroy. Mm -hmm. What was it like being a young Leroy Horde growing up in New Orleans? Well... Um, it is, New Orleans is different. And, and if you ask, you know, you got a couple of guys from down there, ask them what it's like. It's unlike any other place to grow up. You see pictures of the French Quarter and Jackson Square and you think, what a beautiful place. But, but just outside that area is Katrina, New Orleans. And right. it's been that way. It's been that way for years. You know, when I left and went to Michigan, I was flabbergasted at how different the world was, how different other parts of the country, because you're so isolated there. It's not that big. New Orleans isn't that big. And so everybody is in a small area because a lot of uh, marsh and stuff like that. And so um, I, I, I wanted to, to experience something different. I wanted to go somewhere else. And that's why when you I say, ended up in Michigan. Leroy, when you say flabbergasted, Try to paint a picture for the person that hasn't been to New Orleans. How, how, what, and I know it's, it's, it's vast, but what were right. the things that struck you the most about the differences from Ann Arbor compared to New Orleans? One, you had to be 21 to drink in Michigan. You only had to be 18 in New Orleans. And, and if you could pay, they never really checked because that's their, that's their biggest source of, of income. Sure. The state is alcohol. So they didn't care. Um, 
They had the little 10 cent thing with the cans. I'm like, you know, they gave you money back for this, right? <laughs> it, it, it was the craziest thing. Um, I, I never, until I got to Michigan, I never had iced tea without sugar. Yeah, that's a never, South thing. Ne- never heard of it. Um, and, and it just, the overall, you know, like just the, the topography, just the land, just the hills, just everything caught me off guard. And I could not imagine, like I've been to LSU games. I've been to Tulane games. Um, you know, the Superdome is an unbelievable wonder. People don't realize of all the stadiums in the country, guess what? That's the, the Superdome's still there from whenever. It's the only thing like it. Right. It's the only thing like it. And so, I, you know, there's a lot of things that I take pride in being from New Orleans, but the poverty, um, you know, going to, coming up north and realizing that food is not taxed. Right. Everything is taxed in New Orleans. And the tax is like 9%. So I'm just it like all these things start just the interaction with people, you know, in New Orleans, you, you're always looking behind your back. You're always thinking somebody has some kind of angle and, and just to get up in, to Michigan and, and just be able to live and just be able to experience things without having to worry about if somebody has some type of ulterior motive. It, it was really cool. I, I really Loved going, moving up north and living in different places. I would love for you to take me back to that first time you experienced iced tea with no sugar. <laughs> well, I'm sitting in a restaurant. Let me get an iced tea. They say, uh, I say, oh, hey, this has no sugar in it. They say, oh, there's sugar on the table. I was like, that's not the way sweet tea is made. What are you talking about? I had to marinate that sugar in the sun for a couple of days. Like the sugar and the tea need to become one. No, you can't just stir a little sweet low in it. That's not how we operate. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Clutch performance when it matters most. So when unpredictable weather strikes, Bridgestone Taranza tires don't just handle wet conditions, they're built for them. They deliver with the unfazed confidence and quiet control of a clutch performer and make it look easy. Bridgestone, the official tire of the NFL. Leroy, as a young guy growing up in New Orleans, how did you get introduced to sports? Um, well, my, my, my dad was a football player. Um, my uncle was a football player. My uncle was probably only like 10 years older than me. So he had a thing where he said, as soon as you can wipe your own butt, you come hang out with Unc. <laughs> and, and, and and ever since that happened, he'd take me everywhere because I was the oldest grandkid. So I didn't have a, you know, he was the closest thing to an older brother that I had. Right. And and people that know me in Cleveland, he lived with me up in Cleveland for a while. Everybody knows him as Uncle Lloyd. They knew him. But I got into sports because, you know, just as friends, the cool thing about New Orleans is it's like, if you live in a different city, like I live in, in Florida now, and you play a rec, any rec sport, you don't have the t- same team from year to year. Right. So, so because they jumble the teams. In New Orleans, they don't have that many teams throughout the city of New Orleans. So you have parks, and you have different age groups and weight limits and parks. So I played 
from the time I was eight years old to the time I went to middle school, every sport with my same friends. Wow. So we learned a sport together. We played together. Then we played baseball together. Then we played basketball together. So my same friends. And, and then we played the all-star teams. And in fact, me and Ward Manuel have been friends since we were 10. Wow. We went to Michigan together. And now he's the athletic director. Did you have a favorite sport? Uh, baseball. Really? Love it. Yeah, I love baseball. Could you have made a go at baseball? Yeah. Yeah, I could have. How far did you take it? Um, I played up through high school, and my intent was to play at Michigan. Um, oh, had other ideas? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I mean, when you think of, one, how much time consuming everything else is, then you have to make a decision. Like, yeah. when, when I got done with football and, and, and um, spring ball and school and, you know, trying to catch up playing uh, from, from my grades in, in, in the fall from playing football, um, I, I, I really just was exhausted and just, just didn't want give, to give a go at it. But I always loved baseball. I love playing baseball. Watching baseball is a different story. What, at what point in your life, Leroy, did you realize that you were gifted as a football player and you could either A, get a, a nice education, or B, make a, make a profession out of it? Um, when I started getting the letters, and I started getting the letters, and um, I, I wanted to play in the Rose Bowl. Wow. Because you're like, when we were kids, right? You had Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, Sugar Bowl, Fiesta Bowl in the bowl season. Yeah. You didn't have the all Rose these bowl bowls. Was the granddaddy of them all. Right. Exactly. And and as a kid, I couldn't figure out who was playing in the, the, the Sugar Bowl because I didn't know the rules of that. But I knew for a fact, if you won the Pac-10 or the Big Ten, you got to play in the Rose Bowl. And that's how – so I was either – I took a trip to Illinois. I took – uh, which was a Fugazi trip because um, Richie Solomon was a, a defensive back coach. He was defensive back coach with, with Denny in Minnesota. He was a coach at Illinois at the time. He went to high school with my parents. So they convinced me to take a trip to Illinois. Was that your first trip? Yes. And I'm telling you, it was the only trip I took during football season. Right? The only trip I took during football season, and I wanted to go play right then and there. I was wow. so – it was – the excitement around college football caught me off guard. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is well, what you, I want. You knew what it was, though, with LSU, right? Not like that, though. Being in the stands and being on the field and being in the locker room and being – in the pregame meeting in the night before that the atmosphere around the whole campus, nah, that, that caught me off guard. I could not wait. Did LSU come calling? Yes. How yes. did you tell them no and was it hard? Because, because it was very hard um, because one of the reasons why is because I thought if this is the end of the road, I would have never experienced anything other than Louisiana. Interesting. And, Interesting and, that you would have that mindset as a 17-year-old yes, to yes. say, I want more. I, 
I just I said if if I only have four more years of football, I want to experience something that otherwise I would never be able to experience, and hmm. that is going to Illinois, playing against Notre Dame, playing we just so happened our freshman year we played the University of Hawaii. So, oh. <laughs> so, 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 so all, all those things. Plus Michigan, it just came from the Fiesta Bowl. Let's take you back to the day that you're drafted in the second round and you hear that you're going to the Cleveland Browns. What's mm -hmm. your thought? Oh, about to go to championship games, about to go to Super Bowl. All my Ohio friends are celebrating we having a good time yes it was awesome as far as sitting around waiting to get drafted no I, not me wasn't doing it. you didn't even watch nope really why not can't run no can't score no more touchdowns ain't nothing gonna change can't do anything don't sit else. around and be miserable i see though look Hold on. I see those guys sitting there and y'all put the camera on them and say, ooh, he could have went fifth there. I'm like, I am not going to make myself miserable. I can't do nothing about it now. I can't. So don't make yourself miserable about things you have no control over. Did you have a thought as to who would draft you? Yes. The Giants. Really? I, there's two teams I thought were going to draft me. In the first round, by the way. The Giants actually called me and said something along the lines of, if Rodney Hampton's taken before us, we're going to take you. I'm like, that ain't the phone call I want. <laughs> and the Browns, from what I heard, were trying to trade up into the first round to get me. They didn't have a first round pick. But here's what happened. Blair Thomas went second in the draft. Uh-huh. And then there was a long, like, everybody thought a whole bunch of running backs were going to go, and then they all dropped. So I got pushed in the second round just because the run of running backs didn't occur when they thought they would. And it was just something as simple as that. Were, were you pleased with where you went? Not necessarily to Cleveland, but with your position in the draft, or were you hoping I, to be a first-rounder? No, I didn't, I didn't care. And then, like, think about everything I've told you about my football career. Right? I didn't care why I wanted to be drafted. I wanted to play in the NFL. Give me a chance. Yes, that's it. And, and that's kind of like that's kind of what happened. So what was your introduction to Cleveland Browns football? Um, singing in front of like 200 people because that was back when the media and all the news people and the team ate in the same cafeteria. Wow. So I had to get to catch up, sing, sing a fight song. Then I had to sing again. So then you try to avoid the situation because I'm not that good of a singer. So <laughs> then I figured I got to take a different approach to this, right? And then Leroy fashion, grabbed the ketchup, stood up, one dinner, packed house, tap on the glass, everybody's quiet, and I sang my dingling. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? It worked. I never had to sing again. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good tactic. Hey, yep. It worked. Whatever works. Yep. So when you get to the Browns, at what point, what was your first impression on the field, the difference between the NFL and playing at a very high level in college? Um, 
take everybody and move them one position forward. So instead of your rushing in college being 240 pounds, add 20, 30 pounds to them, and that's your rush in. Instead of your linebacker being 230, 235 pounds, right, make him 250 pounds. I mean, I remember, people don't realize this, LeVon Kirkland was in, in uh, Pittsburgh, and he was 290. Whew. And I remember running down the field fast as my little fat legs would go, right? And I looked to my left, and it's a damn nose tackle keeping up with me. I'm like, what in the hell am I doing? I can't, I'm hard as like, I can't get away. Can't. Wow. That's, that's what it is. So when I first got to the league, um, I forget who the running back coach was. He said, I'll give you five. That's how he started. First day camp, I was a holdout. I'll give you five. I'm like, what does that mean? You'll see. So I get the ball. I go inside. It looks a little tight. I try to make a run for it. Boom, I got speed. I'm going to get to the outside. Nope. Couldn't Go make on. it. He said, that's one. Right? So after the fifth time, and I realized that I was tired of getting horse collared, because also, uh, keep in mind, all those defensive ends have the reach of small condors. So, <laughs> so right before you get past them, they do that lunge and reach out with the arm. So then I learned how to read defenses and be a little more patient inside and try to use my skill that way instead of trying to use speed, use burst and run. And so it, it worked. He, he actually, you know, said, hey, you got to be a different runner. You're not going to make it out there. Did you ever have a fear that I'm not going to make it here? I can't, I, I'm not going to stick. My rookie year, just with everything going on and me not, I wouldn't say not, look, it's easy for you to get into the NFL and think I can do what that guy's doing. He's just laid back and just being a baller and whatever. But that guy put in work. That guy's worked himself to a place where he understands what's going on and how he can treat his body and how he can handle it. Yeah. I wasn't there yet. And so I kind of went into it with that same type of attitude that, oh, I'm the same as you. And so I had to get back to a point where, no, man, I got I to gotta grind. I got to hustle. I got I to gotta earn my keep. And once I got to that point, now it was good. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Clutch performance when it matters most. And when you need maximum grip for confident cornering, Bridgestone Potenza tires aren't just up for the job. They're built for the job with the tread design engineered for any twist and turn the road may throw your way. Bridgestone, official tire of the NFL. When you came to the Browns, they were a very successful franchise. You'd mentioned yes. you'd been to the AFC Championship game yep. a number of times. And yep. it looked like, hey, this franchise has got a lot of young, uh, good players, a lot of seasoned vets. Yep. And then what happened that rookie season, Leroy? The, you said that last part, seasoned vets. Vets get old. And that's what happened, <laughs> right? Right? And, and, and so all the things that were working, all the things that, you know, the wily old vest could do, they, they couldn't do them anymore. And so we went from looking great, kind of, you remember when San Francisco went from 
competing all the time and the team kept redoing contracts to be one year ahead of the cap. And then everybody got old and it got stuck with all that money and it yeah. just went downhill fast. That's what happened to Cleveland. Yeah, it all happened Not the same way, but just, but just, and so then they fired the coach and then we had Jim Schaffner for a half a year. Mm. And uh, I remember, I remember him saying, guys, we want to have fun. We want to be professionals. I don't think I should require grown men to stay in the hotel the night before the game. And I'm looking around and I'm going, why? And, wow. And so we, we stayed at our own house. How'd that work we, out? <laughs> we were three and 13. <laughs> then, then what was Bud Carson like? I, I don't think he ever knew me. I, really? I, I literally, yes. When, when I signed, I went, they, they told me, go to, go to room XXX. I go to the room. I walk in the room, say, uh, uh, Bud, I'm here to get my playbook. He said, who, who the hell are you? I'm like, yikes. <laughs> I don't know if it was a, you know, you're nobody, you know, or if he really didn't know who I was. But I got to tell you, when that all changed, Belichick, he was yeah, the oh, yeah. way. <laughs> we had guys, we probably lost, I think, you know, you can have 80 guys in camp. After the first week, we had to go find some guys. We had like 72. Because guys were dropping out. There's just older guys were like, oh, I'm not going through this. No way. Wow. It was brutal. Yeah, I can't imagine Bill Belichick standing for guys burning butts at halftime. Nope. We, had, we had a thing like uh, with Bud, when it got cold, we didn't have an indoor facility. So when it got real cold, we run a play and mess it up. And one of the coaches said, oh, wait, wait, we're correcting on film. Bill, Bill, like, uh-uh, keep, keep going until we get it right. That's Bill. Right. So it was well, – Bud uh, himself smoked, right? Huh? Bud yes. smoked himself. All so. of them. All of them. They all had cigarettes rolled up underneath their arm. <laughs> Practice, whatever. <laughs> I'll tell you, it, it was culture shock. They didn't do that at Michigan. No, no. No, no, not at all. What was what, so when Bill came in, you talk about the guys looking around saying, Where are we? What's going on? What's uh -huh. going what's going through your mind? Because I don't want to compare Bill Belichick to Bo Schembechler, right? But there are some similarities. Uh, rule number one, you have to earn it. So right. think about this. Um, from the time I was a kid, from the time I was in high school, college, and now the NFL. All the coaches that I've had said, no special treatment, you got to earn it. So that put me in the right frame, frame of mind right there. Or got me out of the frame of mind I had my rookie year. Um, and you start from the bottom. So the guys that earn it get it. If you want something, you got to get something. And, and so I fought, clawed, scratched. I ran down on kickoffs. I, ran, I did gunner. I was a gunner. Wow. Uh, I did kickoff returns. And I was a fullback. Now, keep in mind, in college, I was a fullback because we ran a wishbone and I could carry the ball. I was never known as a blocker. So how I end up in this niche where I'm a fullback <laughs> blocking? But I didn't care. I wanted to be on the field. My, my whole thought was this. If you get me on the field, I'm going to do something. But I can't do something from the sidelines. That's so a good I approach. Bill came to me one time. He said, Leroy, can you? I said, yes. He said, you don't even know what I'm going to say. I'm like, it don't matter. I need to get on that field. 
Because that's the only way I'm going to show you I can play. And Bill loved that kind of player. Right, right. If you know, I did everything. Now, the one tough thing is when you earn it and you're the guy, you want to be the guy. With Bill, the game plan changed from week to week. You might have 25 carries and then have three the next week. Well, all depended on the other team's weakness. Right. But, but here's what was great. The group of guys that we had, we had been through all that nonsense. We had been through the craziness of the coaching change. We had been through the six or seven straight tour days with Belichick. And we got through all that. So we were, we were, we were bonding. We were better together. Our team got along so well, even though we weren't winning as many games. We got along well. What was that last season like, knowing that the Browns were leaving? Um, it, it sucked in so many ways because if you think about it, the announcement, unlike any other team, took place in the middle of the season, right? It didn't happen in the beginning of the season. It didn't happen at the end of the season like other teams do. It happened right smack dab in the middle of the season. I think we were 4-2 and two at the time. Right. Right? So you look at it like we're answering questions about a move, and we're just as shocked as you. Fans are coming to games, and, and I totally get it. They're coming to games because they want to boo somebody. The owner wasn't there, so they booing us. <laughs> right? They, Our and, new and, and, and we were just caught, we were just caught in, in a bad spot. A coach lost his job over that. We were in the process of building something. This hits. We don't have the success that we probably should have had or our team warranted. And it almost seemed like nobody understood why this was happening. Why would the team struggle? Fire the coach. Keep in mind, Cleveland, you're going to go down in, in, in history as the only coach to fire a six-time winning champion. <laughs> and ran Paul Brown out, too. Right. So. I'm, more, I'm more than sure he's always been a good coach. Now, he got some, some luck. But if you look at those teams and look at what we were doing, man, I would have loved to see a couple more years out of that. Right? We're running really short on time, so I want to wrap it like this. Okay. I'm going to throw out a name of a guy that you played with in Cleveland and just blast a sentence off about what comes to mind when you hear the name. Okay. Bernie Kosar. Smart. Smartest quarterback I ever played with. That guy could drop a game plan during the game. And everybody wow. will tell you that. The smartest quarterback I ever played with. Webster Slaughter. Could run all day. I seen him do an hour and a half and a thousand calories on a stairmaster. Just like in, insane. His cardio was un, insane. Wow. Ernest Biner. Probably a pro's pro. One of the guys that taught me the most, along with Eric Metcalf and and um, and Kevin Mack. Um, he I only played with him for the last two years. That was with uh, the organization, but heard so much about him and finally got a chance to meet him. And it, I felt, I never thought that I would feel as good as I felt when the Cavs won the championship. And it's almost like the weight got lifted off Ernest Biner's shoulders. And that wasn't even the Super wow. Bowl. 
You know what I mean? That was a championship right. game. So I felt good that, you know, man, he, he deserved a lot better, but I understand it. Yeah. Ozzie Newsom. Um, I'll probably go down to history as a guy that I played with and got caught by. That's what I remember. <laughs> Interesting. I like, That's true. I like, think about it. <laughs> now, either means you played, you played long enough for him to move up or he didn't, never liked you. <laughs> right? <laughs> I, have, I have so much respect for Ozzy simply because he epitomized what being with an organization and working his way up and being good at every single level of football that you, you could be at. He was that. Yeah, no question. Before we go, I want you to catch up uh, our fans and your fans on what Leroy Horde's life is like today. I, I know you're in the media, and, and we should be yes. seeing that face on TV, my man. <laughs> I know you're doing radio, but yeah. what are you doing now, and tell us what your life is like. Well, I get to do radio, which is cool because, um, you know, my body's breaking down. I tell people all the time, the, the, the uh, sport that's killing me is saving my life. Right. I love talking about sports. Um, I get an opportunity to do it. So periodically I have to check out. But for the most part, I do radio six to 10 in the morning. I got a little exercise regimen I go through. I go through my physical therapy to keep my body in motion and get in the pool, all kinds of stuff. Enjoy my kids, my wife. I'm having look. Um, I tell people I'm going to ride this body until the doors fall off. But I'm going to enjoy it and take you, take you along for the ride with me. In general, life is good? Life is good. You know what? Any day you get up is a good day. Right, right side of the dirt. Yeah, you're on the right side of the dirt. Well, I tell people because I golf. I say, you could be on the other side of that divot. <laughs> <laughs> I golf too. Or as, as yes. we like to say, we punish ourselves. Yep, yep. It's the only sport in the world you can't win. You ain't winning. It's also... I think, too, it's the only sport in the world, the harder you try, the worse you are. Yes. The tighter you just relax you get, and let the, it happen. Right. Yep, that's it. Leroy, I enjoyed catching up with you, man, and I know our, our, all of the Browns fans did as well. Hey, um, be patient, Browns fans. Be, be patient. Hey, if nothing else, we hey, are patient. I will tell you what. The one thing positive you can take from this past year, okay, is – Maybe Baker Mayfield learned something, mm -hmm. right? Because so many young guys, like, you you come at them and they run in their mouth, they run even harder. They come at you even harder. They come at you even – he has kind of taken a step back. Look, I, I'm, I'm going to quiet this down. I realized I didn't have as good of a year. I'm going to rebuild this. I'm going to work on this, and I'm going to come back stronger. And, and I don't know if he's going to play better, but I tell you what, he's going about it the right way. He's going about it as uh, so many people on that team can follow him because they see, hey, maybe he's had some of the same things that, that going through some of the same things that I had. So it's good to see, and I can't wait for the season to start. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about taking positives from being humbled. It's not as easy as he no. made it look his yeah. rookie season, right. and he found that out last year for sure. Right. Leroy? Continued success to you. Great to catch up. And thank you so much Thanks, for joining man. us. And, I, and thank you to the viewers as well for joining us for another edition of Club 46, driven by Bridgestone. We certainly invite you to join us next time when we sit down with another all-time great Cleveland Brown. Hope to see you then.